Timeless Voyager Radio. Self-development radio for the open mind. Interviews with leading edge authors and speakers. And now, Bruce Stephen Holmes for Timeless Voyager Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Bruce Stephen Holmes, the Timeless Voyager. And I have with me a very interesting woman. Your name is Andromeda. Is that correct? Uh-huh. You are trained as a classical artist. Uh, you were painting and have been painting for over 15 years. Uh, most recently, you had moved from Santa Fe, New Mexico to California. You refer to yourself as Andromeda, which is the name of a galaxy. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, basically, the reason that I'm here is because I went aboard a spacecraft in May of 1987. And... That experience changed my life completely and forever. I took my name uh, shortly after that experience when I began to remember all kinds of connections I had beyond this planet. So you actually have, have changed your name. And now you use the term uh, walked in walked in, that, that you're a walk-in or someone is a walk-in. What does that mean, the term walk-in? Well, that was coined by Ruth Montgomery um, in the book Strangers Among Us. And what it means is that one energy or spirit in a body leaves and another one comes in. In my case, it was, uh, of course, it's always by a mutual agreement. No one comes in that way and forces their way in. Um, in my case, I was with Karen Romstead, the first spirit, throughout her life, and before either one of us entered into this body, we agreed that at 18 she would leave, she would do certain preparatory work for me to come in. Um, she did uh, all the arts for two years, 16 to 18, um, excelled in all of them, and the creativity uh, promoted a certain opening in the body and the mind and the life circumstance for me to come in and really use it. So basically the life was very normal until 16 years old and then that was the time where she was preparing for me to come in. So Karen uh, was, was, let's say, inhabiting the body that you're in now until about the age of 18. Right. And then you walked in. Yes. What's Karen doing? What is the what does she do? You know, people always ask that question. Oh, I'm not the only one then. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, when people leave the body when they die, um, people have various stages um, of their evolution happening when they die. So-called, what we call dying. Of, of course, no one really dies. So transition, let's say. Right. So she went on, um, there's no contact with her anymore. She went far from this dimension. And that's as much as I know about her. There's no tie between her and me anymore. Um, when I came in at 18, the basic landmark or um, milestone, whatever the, the measure of what was going on for me was that uh, an intense energy came in, and I felt very similar to what I thought Christ must, must feel like, because I could see into people, see completely where they were coming from, and by just being with them, they seemed to become calmer, and healing on all levels took place just by being with them. I didn't have to do anything. 
and uh, that lasted for six months. And then I got very freaked out by the feeling of being able to see into everyone and not have anyone be able to see into me. So at that point, I uh, turned it off. I shut down. And it took until I went aboard the spacecraft to remember how that connected with why I had the contact and what I'm here to do. So are you saying then that what happened was that even though um, somewhere towards the age of 18 you were having all of these experiences, you weren't remembering them? Or, no, or she I, wasn't remembering them? Karen at 18, wasn't. when I came in, I hit what many walk-ins hit is almost like a brick wall coming from other dimensions into this very dense reality mm -hmm. and meeting with extreme negative uh, negativity. Most people do, are not conscious of how they use their thoughts, um, you know, how they carry their energy, what they eat, anything that would raise their vibration. And especially in 1972, that was true. I grew up in... Um, in near Detroit, Michigan, mm. in a kind of auto factory town. And, the uh, you know, so people weren't that educated and interested in parting down, drinking beer, driving fast cars, and that's about it. Um, so what happened was that there was little reception or understanding of where I was coming from, uh, but people did enjoy the energy that was coming from me. But no one was really able to... Uh, I just really felt a need to have peers, is what it amounted to. And when I remembered... Well, in other words, what does a person who's a walk-in, who do they hang around with, right? That's right. <laughs> At that time, I had no idea that kind of context. All I knew was I was extremely what was called then psychic, and could read past lives, could diagnose illness, could do hands-on healing... Um, I, hear, I could hear people's thoughts from a distance, um, have premonitions, dreams. Uh, and I, what I had read at the time that was the closest thing to what was happening to me was Edgar Cayce books. Mm. And his gifts were like parallel to what I was experiencing. But then I went beyond that, and it was only, it seemed like, um, the society and the time on earth caught up with where I, where I was and now it's possible to talk about these things and find people everywhere I go who are the same as me it's like we're being called into action now to use what we, we have been instructed in from off planet Okay, now, you say you went aboard a spacecraft um, in May of 1987 in Santa Fe, Mexico, or Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, did you signal these ships? I mean, did, how, how did this all happen? Yeah, w how that happened was um, a friend of mine told me that he could signal the ships and that he went aboard often. Now, did you believe this friend when they... Well, what happened when I moved to Santa Fe is every new friend that I met was someone who had had contact. It was, I, I seemed to just go right into a community of people that everyone I was meeting were people who believed they were Pleiadian, um, had had contact. Everyone I knew saw ships almost every night. Um, so this was quite an area that you moved to here. This uh, This area, for example, was where... There were a lot of sightings, and, right. and uh, everyone was claiming some type of, of extraterrestrial contact. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And uh, part of the reason there are so many ships there is because of the Los Alamos um, installation and the kind of uh, dangerous activity that's going on there, the research, and they're being watched. Now, dangerous, you mean that, that, uh, the, that the, uh, what the United States is doing is dangerous to, what, the planet itself? Right. Or, okay. That's right. Dealing with splitting the atom, the, the harsh um, energies we really are not caught up with in spirit to even be using. We have no understanding of how to use those things safely. Andromeda, tell me about some of the uh, beings that you met then at that time. Uh, did you, because you were on a spacecraft, you must have met some important people, or important, what shall we call them, beings. Uh, right. Well, I basically had contact with one being, and her name is Sekhmet, I was told. And this is the, uh, basically she's a cat being. So Sekhmet. Sekhmet. S-E-K-M-E-T. Right. All right. And my understanding of that intuitively is it means cat-man. Okay. And it's a race of beings that are... There's a book out right now called Lion Men. Hmm. And uh, anyway, this uh, the thing I understand about Sekhmet is that she has a space station, a huge space station, where other beings that are not like herself but share a similar consciousness... Um, share their knowledge, and it's called the knowledge of Astara. And the spaceship is parked near Venus. Okay, the knowledge of Astara. Mm-hmm. Is that A-S-T-A-R-A? Right. All right. And my, my son's middle name is Astara. Now, just briefly, what is the knowledge of Astara? The knowledge of Astara relates to some of the mysteries of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And it goes, it's a, it's a vast pool of knowledge that has to do with the evolution of these beings, how far they've come in their evolution. Everything that they collect through their experience is recorded in their electromagnetic field, just like ours is. Right. Now, that's that's something that a lot of people are learning about. This is uh, part of what the quantum body is about and all this, what we could, could call, quote, new information. Uh-huh. Okay, and so you're saying they collect the information, this information, a star is the name of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, what happened when I was aboard the ship is that when I first got aboard, I heard her voice, and then I heard um, in English, in my mind, everything that she was saying, and then I just got it by osmosis, which is beyond words. It's so vast. There is so much. Every impression you get could be interpreted in 10 different ways. Um, so the information is vast and it has to do with basically sharing their evolutionary um, point they are at with us so that we can advance to the same position. I wanted to talk a little bit about the experience going aboard ship and how I did that. The friend I met told me he could signal the ships. So what we did is we went to a mesa and we did this three nights. So now this is, this is important information for people who are listening because those people who are interested in learning more about, uh, well, I was told this is called ufology these days, but uh, in order that you can contact a ship. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, but for those of you who are, are listening, this is going to be quite of important. So I'm really interested <laughs> in this myself. So what we did is went to a mesa. And um, the area you pick should be a place you can put your energy into. 
the most important part of it is raising the energy in this in the area that you are picking as a landing site so to speak so we went to this mesa this was a place where there were a lot of ceremonies done there were some friends of ours married there um, you know a lot of energy had gone in and people went and planted crystals up there so we used crystals and did a double helix pattern with the two crystals one in each hand and sent up love and a welcoming and joy in these two RNA DNA type spirals up and then we connected from the chakras the heart the throat and the third eye my goodness if you could do that uh, a lot of us are trying to learn how to do that <laughs> right and uh, so then what we did is we spent two um, hours and on the first night I saw what looked like about 30 lights moving all over the sky um, which was pretty amazing in itself um, the second night we went up, now mind you, we're going two hours, we're dedicated to the process, you really have to be. So we go up the second night, and at the end of the two hours, um, I was feeling like, oh good, nothing else is going to happen, we're just going to see lights in the sky. Even though that was remarkable in itself, it, I wanted to go aboard because he said we could do that. So... Uh, as we were leaving, it was about 80 degrees outside. Now, were you afraid? I mean, or did you... Oh, know? no. Okay. I had, I mean, like a lot of people, I had um, been, you know, kind of praying for this for some reason I didn't understand. And, uh, of course, I found out all this stuff once I had the contact. I knew why I'd had it. Okay. So, um... But that would be a natural feeling for someone to be afraid. Well, you know... Or um, excited, or at least... I was excited, yeah. you bet, when I saw those lights, mm -hmm. you know, what looked like stars moving everywhere. I'm going, well, now we know they're up there, you know. Now, was this, or let's say, is this is this during the time that you had already walked in, or is this before? This is in May of 87, uh, so I'm 36 now. Well, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to figure that, was this when Karen was in this body, or...? No, this is when I was in... I've been in since 18, but okay, I haven't so been Karen, able... Okay, so Karen, this is not the kind of thing that Karen would have done. No, okay, no, that's no. what I was trying to establish. Okay, so even though you had walked in, you I, were still veiled in a way. You did right. not really know yet who you were. I was clearing a lot of Karen's fear and patterns. And... Um, wow. It, yeah, it was a big step, and when I had gotten to the point where I really was willing to let go of all the fear, that's when I had the contact. So that second night, we were going down, and I looked up, and there was a ship. And I knew to look up because it got cold out all of a sudden, and the ship produced that, that temperature change. So I looked up, it was a triangle ship with a big red light in the center, and it was yellow metal. And I was really excited. And then my friend told me, tomorrow night you'll go aboard. Every night he would tell me how he was picking up what they were telling him. And they kept saying, you have to raise the energy higher or we'll burn you up when we take you aboard our ship. You'll be fried. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be careful then, right? So then the next night we went again. Um, and uh, also my friend recognized the ship and he said it was Sekhmet ship. So then he told me the next night we would go aboard and, you know, he'd come by the house and pick me up. So I was beamed out of my bed. We went uh, up there, signaled, same thing, lights all over the sky. I didn't see the triangle ship again. Uh, but when I went home um, at about 11 o'clock, he told me about 1 o'clock they would come. 
So I stayed up reading. And then the way that this happened was I was reading and I'm sort of going like, oh, he played a really good trick on me. You know, this is real funny. I'm sitting here actually waiting to be picked up by a spacecraft. So you're starting to feel like maybe this was not really right. true. Like, I, yeah, who knows? You know, and this is the thing with dimensions, how tricky it is, because we live it so in this dense dimension that we tend to believe that other dimensions and realities are not as real as this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I did is I jumped out of the bed all of the sudden and said, forget it. I am not going. I am too tired. You waited too long to come and get me. And what this was in response to was that in the room, an energy shift had occurred and it blew out my circuits and I felt real tired all of a sudden. I'm losing track for a second. You're actually inside now. I'm in the room, in my bedroom. Okay which is what my friend told me they would beam me out of my bed after right. we went home from the Mesa. Yeah. So, I mean, that there's no reason why you should think at this point that... What did you think you had seen in the night before? Were you beginning to question a lot of this stuff? It's hard to describe. Yeah, you just, you just blank it out. It doesn't fit yeah. into any reality that you know of. It probably, because we're talking about belief systems here. You know, you can let a belief system move... And then you can pull it back. And we, we, people do this all the time. As a matter of fact, uh, just not to digress for a moment, but people do this on a regular basis without knowing. Mm-hmm. They'll say, um, I thought I told you this. I know I said it. I know I said I, I know I told you blah, blah, blah. And if you're fortunate to have a tape recorder or a, <laughs> or a videotape recorder and you play it back and you find out that you actually didn't say it, Right. And you find out that you were wrong. It's a real shocker because all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, how could have I thought that I did something and been so sure I did it when I didn't? And the, and the answer is that we can construct a belief system and people do it on a regular basis. Mm. We should always be careful about what we say. Okay. Anyway, now I didn't mean to, to, to do that, but we're, so you're in bed. I'm in bed and I feel the energy shift in the room. And I get very tired. Some people blank out completely from the energy. And then I say, wait a minute, I've wanted to do this. What am I doing? I'm, of course I'm going aboard. And I just sat back down in bed. And then I saw a blue beam come up the hallway. And, you know, this, this is what so, um, you could think it was your mind until you see something and feel like I felt the cold and I'm seeing this light. And then it comes... Um, so whatever it was, you were very certain that you were not dreaming it. Right, okay. yeah. <laughs> the The blue light comes closer to me. The beams come from the ceiling to the floor, and they're about three feet apart. And then green and purple are on each side of the blue rays. And it doesn't look like a flashlight. It looks living light. It's flowing, hmm. wavy kind of, the beams. Right. And when it comes close to me, I can't see the colors anymore. And then my molecules begin to disperse from the ground to the ship. And completely evenly spaced is how it felt. And, and it was probably very quick, right? It took about 10 seconds, and it was... Well, that's that's pretty slow. It felt weird. <laughs> it felt weird. And I think a lot of people would be freaked out by the feeling of disassociation from their body. So there's, you know, psychological factors to take in mind. Why weren't you picked to go aboard a ship? Ask yourself, can you handle these things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got aboard, is um I saw her eyes, the big green cat eyes, and I was looking... So this is when you met Sekhmet. I met Sekhmet. First thing, found myself standing face to face with her, and that is the point where I blanked out my memory. Mm. After looking in her eyes, 
and I'm Somebody not. I felt this is a, this is a lot. I think I've had enough. Yeah, <laughs> for the night. Well, I realize this is not like Mr. Spock. This is not a movie. This is a being from a totally different realm than I right. have ever encountered, and I had no way to communicate. We think we're just going to offer them a, a beer and and pizza or something. Well, you know, they aren't from the same place as us, and they function in a totally different way. Now, you uh, say uh, that, that there's a change in the vibration and an actual aura shift also. What, uh, so you, and this is, this is towards the violet ray. For those of you who um, aren't familiar with auras, we've, I've had a number of people on my show who, who talk about auras, but we, we all have a particular color, basically, that, that, uh, that exudes from our, our body. And this is a this is a violet shift then. Mm -hmm. The violet ray, you know, like with the I am um, presence, the transmuting ray. When your mole molecular structures change to go aboard ship, there is a raise in the energy to mm -hmm. do that. In other words, they're they have to lower their vibration to meet ours, but they have to raise ours too. So there's a point in the middle mm -hmm. where they meet, and. That is the color that often psychics will say, your aura is purple. If you've had contact, people who've had contact, often um, that's a sign. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have had contact, have no one they can talk to about it, and they just blank it out or make it into something else. Not contact with beings from off-planet. All right, now, there's so many things I'd like to talk about, but let's just talk about um, this uh, information that is... Uh, uh, known as Astara, and uh, is very Egyptian in nature, which uh, I think is probably very important to all of us. One of the things I received aboard the ship was what I call the triangle language. And it's based on equilateral triangles, and it's the basis for all language. It's the key to all language. And what I was shown, I've done some paintings, and I put the symbols on the frame. Um... <clears throat> the Star of David is one of the the symbols that everybody's using these days to do um, layouts with crystals and energy work. And the triangle is the basis for all of us to raise our vibration on the planet now. The triangle symbolizes our vehicle, each of us, our bodies. And we must learn to raise it and focus it, if you look at a three-dimensional triangle, a tetrahedron, to raise our energy up to a point and be able to channel down energies from off-planet and also to, to receive and transmit through that point. So that's the basic use of energy. All these symbols show us how to use energy in our bodies. They show how the, trip, the ships travel. They're basically the physics of matter. So these are things sacred geometry is starting to reemerge. Sacred geometry, that's an interesting word. Right. That's meaning that it has meaning, that there's just not it's not just a bunch of shapes. That's right. But that it's really symbology and has an effect on changing levels of consciousness and changing dimensionality, etc. It's been shown in psychological studies that if you stare at a circle, square, and a triangle, those three shapes they did a study for nine months where every day, like 10 minutes a day, someone would just look at those. Their um, intuition is increased. Hmm. So um, also Kepler 
in the um, before the Renaissance time would do studies where he just stared at it and he got information from various geometric shapes. So this is what's called the light language. It's the common language to all beings. And this is what we are going to move into. If you look at some of the shows, like Current Affair has a spinning tetrahedron. Right, of course, yeah. Um, all, and they also, I've seen, have different, like there are different uh, platonic solids, the dodecahedron, which is a five-sided um, pentagons that form a, 20 of them form a, a sphere. There's icosahedron, which is 20 triangles. Um, all these are structures of our reality, and they will give us a pure interpretation instead of our mucked-up intellectual approach to everything. Okay, I wanted to talk a little bit about my name, first of all. I took that name because I, I became aware that I came from Andromeda Galaxy. Um, this was three years ago. And it's just now, it seems like more and more people are waking up to that, that they have come from there, which is a very different vibe than the Pleiadian um, interest in this planet. It's very different. Um, in some cases, Pleiadians and Andromedans are teaming up together to do various things, which I've done. For a year, I was working with a Pleiadian person. Yeah, now, for our, our listeners, the Pleiadians are... They're from the Pleiades. Okay, so there's an, there's an entire group out there. So people should understand that this is... There are a lot of, of uh, extraterrestrials or interdimensional beings, whatever right. you want to call them, out there right now, very close to our Earth. And, and why? Why? Because they're part of us. We exist on many levels. People um, think of angels as something separate from themselves when actually it's just another part of our being. And there are more than just the angelic realm. It's, it's really infinite how many levels we all exist on. And at this time, we are all have an option to open to energies and basically channel as many beings who would like to come through and experience through our bodies here on Earth. So as we tune our vibration, we will attract a like vibration. And it's really... I have found it to be an incredible, tremendous uh, celebration of an experience to feel uh, beings from other realms coming in and sharing my life and uh, helping, helping energetically to open doors for me. And um, we're like a big team effort. I wanted to describe my walk-in experience um, to give people an idea of what, uh, what that's like. Uh, memories opened up to me and what I saw happen to me at 18 was that I was it was about 2 a.m. in the morning uh, Karen was you know had gone to sleep and that was the night it was May 17th I believe and that was the night of the the change the exchange and there was a council meeting and it was all light I remember before entering the body what it looked like was a bright plane kind of a plane um, like a big stage, all but just as far as you could see, a plane. And there were 40 of us that made up my soul, all present in a circle. And now that's, and of course, we would refer to these as, as other lifetimes that you live or et cetera, et cetera. But there were 40 of your. Well, I understood these beings to be from Andromeda. Oh, okay. And that our soul is like a group soul, and each one of us functions individually, but we are one. We are one soul. But not all of us are from Andromeda. Right, right. right. So, That's how we do it there. Okay. And, and not all of Andromeda is like that 
I'm from a planet called Este. Okay. And it's a spiral galaxy, and I'm on one of those arms way at the end. So That's I didn't need to interrupt you, is. so that, that in this, in this uh, large, vast plane, there were 40 of you gathered together, which 40? were all of your different parts. I right, guess. right. And eight of us were in front of the body, lined up, and it was we knew that we had been trained in certain principles, and we were trusted and trusted that one of us would come in the body and not go backwards once entering, would not get into the physical um, entrappings, but go through with sharing the information that they brought with them. So at the very second that I took the body, we all kind of knew each other. We were feeling each other's energy, and it was decided I would take the body, that I had the best chance of surviving and remembering where I came from and then carrying out. Now, was Karen present also at this time? Um, she was still in the body mm-hmm. while we were looking at it. While so she, we were, was she aware that this was all going on? Do you know? You may not know. I you guess. know, uh, there, there. Because it sounds like a fairly complicated uh, situation, and it may not necessarily be. It might be being overseen by someone else. Actually, I guess. Well, let me just finish okay. the experience, and sure. a lot of this I don't. I can't answer your question because I haven't thought about it. Actually, what you just said, I didn't even think about. Um, when I took the body. Then I remember waking up, just waking up the next morning, and what an incredible experience to be in a body with all this information and the feeling from where I came from. Mm-hmm. It was just like being alive for the first time. I mean, I was so revved up. My energy was so high. And uh, that's, that's what I remember happening. And those other seven have been around me since that time helping me and moving things in my life, changing circumstance so I can get done what I need to do. So that was what happened. And um, it's so funny when people ask me about Karen, all I know about her is that we decided to, sure. no, I didn't mean to you know, to for her to leave. Yeah. And that's it. She was gone, <laughs> I guess. Now, um, what I guess I'm asking you then is you woke up in the morning and you did know that you were not Karen. What about what about the family around her? Was this this probably had to be kept? What happened? Well, uh, you were veiled a little bit too at this point. I was veiled, but what happened was my perception was so acute that I began reading everyone's past lives in my family, and I felt it was my service to them to tell them what mm. I saw. And of course, it wasn't well received. I left home uh, within the year. It was impossible to be around them because they were all wanting to cling to their their patterns. And here I was, like, totally fresh in the body. And going, were you denying, of course, you were denying that you were Karen. Right. I, right. You know, a, this big change had occurred, and it was time to move on. <laughs> okay, tell me a little bit about the uh, the money system. And you also uh, periodically channel Sekhmet. Um, she does like to uh, transmit on radio and television. I don't know if we'll be able to do that today or not, but... Uh, I'll let you be the dis- to make that decision as you go along. When I began um, talking about this experience, she would come through energetically. And I feel she's always with me energetically. But then um, I went on a TV show in the San Francisco area, and the host told me, you need to say her words. So that was the beginning of that. And that does happen. Oh, your host was trying to say that you need to speak in a different voice or something? Or? He was saying, let her talk. Don't you censor everything. Oh, let see. her speak directly hmm. to people. Well, who's he? 
<laughs> I felt he was right on. Okay. Yeah, okay. I felt he was very in tune. Show business to me, but if that's what you want. To... Okay. So um, w- I have um, some knowledge of things she has said. I, I don't know if if we'll go right into a direct channeling or not. We'll just see what happens. Um, one of the things that's coming through that's very much on the minds of people right now is money. Um, in my personal life, money is absolutely of no significance. I want nothing to do with it. And that isn't to say that I don't uh, have a physical body that, um, you know, is nourished by physical things. However, um, it's time now to begin to do what we love and truly contribute from the wholeness of who we are and allow the natural recompense to come from that, the flow to come from that. And it's going to require some people, like myself, I've already committed myself to doing this, to just completely ignore the limits of money and allow energy to come through me fully and then let it just return in energy for me to survive. And it's said in the Bible, you know, um, that, that we will all be provided for that it's there for us. The universe will take care of us. The source is connected to us. And it would be like a mother who's pregnant with a baby inside of her cutting the baby off. It's impossible. It's just not going to happen. So this is an important shift right now for all of us to um, integrate into our reality. What uh, what does your feeling about the money system? Will it change? I mean, is that the, uh, the overall thought or... Well, it's already getting into bartering where people have to show their true value. Basically, you're offering a service to someone, which is what you have to contribute, and, and they is, have to right. okay it. They so have this to is say, why you want, you're saying that people should do what they do well. And because do what then you what love. Because then what do you have to offer to someone if you don't have something to offer that you do well and love to do? Right. It's, it's full of death otherwise. You need right. something full hmm. of life to offer. Um. You've had a quite an interdimensional experience, and uh, you've even suggested the idea that we have uh, multidimensional existences. I wonder if you might want to speak on that for a moment. Well, one of the things that has happened to me throughout my adult life is that I've painted in all these different styles, and throughout my life, people have said, why don't you focus on one, and then people can get to know who you are, um, you know, um, to get one style that matches you. Well, I've never been able to do that. And what I feel is I've been um, expressing from all the levels I exist on. And that is becoming more acceptable these days. A, an artist like Picasso painted in any any way he felt, basically. Um, we are not merely psychic. We are not... Uh, ju- there isn't just the angelic realm and the earth realm, the heaven and the hell... Um, there are realms we can't even imagine. And when we open, we will begin to see how these other dimensions are actually making, again, to get back to the money, these other realms where there is, for example, a being like Sekhmet who is working with people all over the planet. She moves things on this planet. These beings we made into gods, like Sekhmet in the Egyptian culture was made into a god that guarded Isis and Osiris. She actually was just a member of a race who have evolved to a certain point. And, of course, we don't like the idea that she has a cat 
<laughs> head or something like that, right? We 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 want everyone to look like us. <laughs> well, uh, some people like those, like cats. You know? <laughs> I know, but I mean, I'm just I'm just saying, right? That, uh, it's a strange one. It is. We a don't like that thing. idea. We think of us of ourselves as being the totality and the perfection of the universe, right? And that anything else would be lesser or somehow strange. Mm-hmm. And it's only through the contact and the interreaction with beings from off planet that we're going to begin to understand the divinity hmm. of all things. Now, we thought we had a race problem on the earth, but I guess we're going to have a, a, quite a, an interdimensional problem soon. Right. Um. <laughs> so one of the, the experiences aboard that ship was it is an interdimensional ship. And... Um, the the way that that feels to us, we tend to dismiss it because it doesn't feel so solidly uh, solid as this experience here, the 3D reality. Um, it's not as dense, certainly, but it's very real and very so the powerful. Other the other dimensions are not as dense. That's probably why we feel, uh, or not. let's say not we, but this is probably why those people who deny the existence of anything else do it with such uh, strong uh, emphasis uh -huh. in that the other dimensions being lighter and not as dense don't have the solidness that, that, that this has. Right. And so they seem to discount the, what it might be. One of the things I've observed is that as a culture is more evolved, they seem to be more able to change their form so that they can express who they are and what they are any way they feel like. They don't have a solid body like we have, and they say, well, I'm a blonde today. This is how I feel. They can be whatever they want. They can change color, you know, uh, hair, anything, and just come off. They can be a being of light one day, and then next day look like a human being. We've talked a little bit about Sekhmet. Why don't we talk a little bit more about her, because she seems very interesting, and I'd like to know a little bit about her myself. Okay. Um, she's connected to Egypt and influencing the Egyptian uh, culture and the ancient mysteries that that um, school of knowledge that came out of Egypt, like the way the pyramids are built, every passage, every material of each step, all is symbolic of the progression a soul goes through. And um, it's all based on sacred geometry. Now, how was, how, I mean, did, did she tell you, or do you know how those pyramids were built? Were they not built by human beings? Were they built by extraterrestrials? Or? Oh, absolutely. My so understanding these were not built is, by human beings. My understanding, well, it, people were different at that time right. than they are now. Meaning um, what? Basically the same as physical structure, but the vibration is different. Um, the, you might call it an innocence that allowed for more contact with higher realms which we are so sophisticated in our intellect is so has just shut out any possibility of believing in anything. We believe in ourselves and what we can rationalize and understand. And at that time, people were more in just feeling from the heart, feeling in tune with the nature, the ebb and flow of things. And it made it possible for them to work with natural forces and that of levitation. That explains it. In other words, if they understood how to make things levitate, then it would be very easy to build something like that, wouldn't it? <laughs> right, yeah. But what about the, the phenomenal uh, geometry and the way that the uh, stones were cut? Were the stones softer then, or did they have ways of making <laughs> stones that are very hard, soft? Or? When beings can 
travel from one galaxy to another in less than a second. You, this is what I mean when I say that we can't even imagine these other realms. I mean, we would have to start at, at a certain point to even describe what we're talking about with these technologies for me to communicate them. Um, basically, it, it's very simple, though. The people at that time could get out of the way and allow the energies to work through them. We really couldn't say they built them because the energy was coming from off-planet. It was coming from ships through them. And they had something so they were in a sense channeling the information. That's right. And we are going to do that again. That is happening now. Contact will continue. And all the beings who have created this planet and given their contribution to the genetics, the plants, the flowers, the animals that are here are returning now. They're coming back to their creation hmm. and reclaiming it and realigning it and cleaning the planet. Are we borrowing these bodies that we have? Are we mistaken by thinking that these are ours and that no one should touch them and no one should invade our body and we should not step aside? I mean, that's this is what people who are against channeling say we shouldn't do. You should not allow another energy to come into your body. What if this isn't our body in the first place? It just belongs to the earth and we're renting it, so to speak, and it's time to start either get it straight or give it up and let someone who knows how to... Do it right, come in. I know, I'm just using this one. Right. <laughs> I'm certain about that. There are books written now. Timothy Beckley has written a book that talks about the... Um, he, he writes the UFO Review in New York City and compiles all this information of uh, various Ashtar Command, uh, all different sources of off-planet beings. And what that book is predicting is that contact will be made soon. Um, when a bomb is dropped, of course, immediate intervention will happen from off-planet beings. And there will be, it'll be necessary. What Sekhmet has told me is there will be people who will be bridges, like myself, who've had the contact, who've gotten over the shock, have integrated the experience of how you can have this experience while you're still in a body. And they will be able to basically allow the, the, direct um, the ETs that are in their own bodies to give information and help and assistance to those that are here who haven't woke up yet. We will be uh, translators, so to speak. Facilitators, extraterrestrial facilitators. That's, yeah. Should we stop saying using the word extraterrestrial? Do you think this word should be changed? Oh, I think so. It's, it's too long and it sounds real cold and technical. What would you like to use? Do you have a word? Well... Uh, maybe we could just start using the names of the different places people come from, like Andromedans, Pleiadians, Syrians, um, Alpha Centaurians, you know, wherever people are coming from. Um, most people have an affinity for one of these places, the Arcturians, Antares. Um, most of us have passed through these different stations just like we've had past lives in different cultures. Um, I have been in, in most of the places I named before I came here to get oriented to be on Earth. Well, Andromeda, this has been a great interview, and I really appreciate the fact that you took the time to come down from San Francisco to be here. <laughs>